Alrighty, welcome everyone to another Call of Cthulhu scenario review. Today we're going to be taking a look at an old classic scenario, the Cracked and Crooked Manst. And joined with me today is... I am the man from Lang. I am Innkeeper Vesodin from the Twisted Tentacle Inn. And I am Nate, lost in time and space. But before we get into the review itself, we want to warn any players out there, there will be spoilers ahead. So if you're looking to experience this scenario, send your keeper this way and we will see you all in our next episode. So the scenario was originally released back in 1984 as a scenario for a con back in Australia and has been released in the original Mansions of Madness. But the version we're going to be taking a look at today was in the updated Mansions of Madness for 7th edition Call of Cthulhu. That is right. It's weird. It was a some kind of tournament scenario, which intrigues me a little bit because I'm I'm not sure how this is set apart or how it's different from other scenarios that would make it more of a tournament one for survival. It's weird. It's very, I'm very curious to check out the original and see what that's all about. I assumed it was more like a bracket, like you kind of win by popularity or something. I don't know if anyone is uh, aware of the original tournament scenario at uh Phantasicon, I'd be curious to see in the comments. But let's uh, let's get into the actual meat of the uh, scenario itself. It starts by going over some of the uh, history of the Fitzgerald Manse, which is the main house that the scenario takes place in. Yeah, so this was, um, I guess, 60 years ago from, from the date that the scenario... Uh, begins 60 years almost to the date there was a horrific uh, murder there was a soldier who went mad uh, he had PTSD or whatever and went mad and then ended up killing himself and his whole family and then 30 years later something else happened there was another uh, set of murders that occurred another guy I guess right by the, his family yeah by the name of arthur Kerwin, which is a neat little charles dexter ward reference there um yeah he ends up buying the house 30 years later and going mad while living there and has a very similar incident and kills his whole family and then a few years later a old couple buy the house and they kind of live there until they both die off until the um the main glue of the scenario a mr arthur cornthwaite cornthwaite however you pronounce that last name <laughs> he, he it's buys a weird that. spelling it is it's a very antiquated spelling but he buys the house in 1919 and then he sets off on some expeditions and he returns to the manse and then he goes missing and that's yeah. how the investigators get involved which so he bought the house in 1919 the scenario begins in february of 1925 in boston massachusetts um the scenario uh, basically lets you know that you can set it you can set it pretty much anywhere as long as it's an area where there are large properties like farmland and that kind of stuff and uh the the time period that the scenario can be set in i think it fits best in in 1925 but it, you know, it recommends that, that if you do modern times, it can work. You just have to kind of work out the details of the events that occurred 30 years prior and then 30, 30 years before that so that they fit properly with the timeline. So just a little extra legwork if you do want to place this in a different time period. 
Yeah, I think it'd be easier to place it in a timeline before the 1920s than afterward because, you know, just everything gets so modernized with Google once you start bringing it into the 21st century that towns like this don't really exist. So that's a good point. Mm -hmm. So how the investigators get involved is kind of up to the keeper, but the suggested method that is brought up in the module is to have the Dodge brothers uh, send them a letter through a mutual contact. And who are the Dodge brothers? The, the Dodge brothers are the legal represent, uh, representatives for Arthur Cornthwaite and his estate. And since he's gone missing, they're looking to either find his location or find him or find sufficient evidence of his death and then take care of his estate. Yes, they're very keen on uh, selling the house. And maintaining its property value, I guess, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. yes. Um, so so these guys hire the investigators to to kind of find out what's going on with, with Corinth, Cornthwaite because it's in their best interest and it, also because he's their client. So the investigators can come from any background, really, but um, it's up to the keeper to determine how how it plays out in terms of the reason why the the Dodge brothers contact them. It could be that Arthur contacts them himself as well. There's plenty of suggestions that the module gives you as far as involving the investigators and bringing them into the town of Gamwell. But once they're in the small Massachusetts town of Gamwell, that's kind of up to the investigators where they go and how they conduct their investigation. It's a pretty small town, so there isn't a lot to do. Um, so it's it's dependent on how you bring them in. But I would say, generally speaking, most groups are probably going to either visit the Dodge brothers immediately and talk to them because that's how they were sent there, because that's kind of how the module suggests that they're brought there. Or they stop by the boarding house and drop their things off and they talk to the, the owners of the boarding house. What do you guys think? Yeah, there's I mean, there's the boarding house. There's the Dodge Brothers. There's um, the library um, is one of the options. The sheriff's office is another option. Uh, like you said, it's a very small town, so there's uh, not uh, not many locations for them to scout out. And uh, based on what they learn, um, the scenario suggests they they might end up at the cemetery although the cemetery isn't really fleshed out as a, as a location to visit. And then basically it's the, uh, the Fitzgerald mansion is, uh, is where the scenario ultimately sees the, the PC or the, the investigators ending up. Yeah. So it's, it's fairly open-ended as far as what the investigators can do, but because of the limited number of locations, there is kind of a, uh, a limit to the amount of things that they can do in terms of investigating before they're ultimately like man from Lang said, ultimately led into the mansion itself. And that's where the crux of the scenario actually takes place. But the prior investigation can, maybe it can take a few hours or it might be a very quick thing before they make their way to the mansion. There are ways you can nudge your investigators to head inside the mansion. Uh, this scenario, I think does a pretty decent job of giving you ideas for kind of nudging your investigators into that direction, putting them in situations where they're kind of forced to go in there um, or stay the night or whatever, <laughs> just mm. to make things a little more interesting more quickly. So why don't we go into how how their first arrival at the estate actually goes? Because most of the module is just fairly brief snippets of some of the other locations in town that they can visit and glean some 
I would argue fairly minor information from. But once they arrive at the estate, the the wrought iron gate is locked and chained and the stone wall has, you know, spikes coming out of it. So it's going to be a fairly difficult wall to climb if they choose to go that method. And given that the door is locked, they're going to either have to lock pick it or break the chain or disable the lock somehow. So right from the get go, the house is pretty inhospitable to them. But if they manage to get over over the gate or over the stone wall and into the actual garden, then uh, they're treated with a pretty strange and dark scene in the garden. Yeah, there's some strange plant life and and um, I believe fungal growth as well. And mm-hmm. they can they can have little minor incidents where they trip and things like that. But nothing, nothing crazy that will that will kill outright kill an investigator. Uh, not yet, at least the, the build in this one is much slower. So uh, you want to kind of drip the information to the investigators start start to make them a little paranoid, just little by little. Uh, they can find bones from a horse. I guess that's that if they go into town, they they learn about a missing horse and that that can be kind of some information that might lead them to investigate the house much more quickly. And they do find the bones of this horse, but they don't find very much uh, regarding the, the bones the, of the horse are on like an acreage. It says like you have to search like several acres of land in order to find the bones of the horse, which I suspect most investigators won't bother with. <laughs> but, yeah, it's uh, not an easy find. Yeah, yeah, it's it uh, would take them several hours and, and a keen interest in horses, I guess. If we're <laughs> yeah, it, it struck me that, you know, the, the house is very much the fixture here of the uh, of the scenario and uh that's where where things really pick up yeah and uh, a way to kind of nudge them inside the house the the scenario really wants you to have them trip and fall and get muddy and get dirty outside so they can try to find their way inside which they'll have keys because the dodge brothers will give them keys to the front door and the back door so they'll have keys to get in so very very uh Quickly, they can go inside and try to wash up, which will get them inside the house. And that's exactly where you want them to be. Yeah, I don't know if they'd necessarily have clues. I have a pretty strong feeling that a lot of groups would probably just go in guns blazing, especially if they're newer groups. They might just take the letter and then just go right to the house and kind of forget the fact that they don't have a key and just try to go in anyway. But other than the shed that's outside that kind of just, again, is there to set the mood, once they go in the house, that's when things really start to get creepy. There's strange moisture kind of all throughout the house and the damage is irreparable. There's the wallpaper is soaping wet and it's beyond beyond repair at this point. And there's all sorts of strange, strange smells and just odd things in the house it looks like it's hasn't been lived in for months at this point yeah and the uh the the scenario itself gives uh sort of brief uh snippets for each of the rooms that the uh that the investigators might uh, go into uh, it's a three-story structure so uh the the module suggests that the the players may go sort of basement uh, main floor, upper floor, um, uh, sketches out briefly what uh, what is contained in a lot of the rooms, and then sort of key provides keys to the the main rooms where uh, they may discover important clues to what has uh, going on in the house and what has uh, 
what happened to uh, the previous owner. Yeah, there's the whole backstory with Arthur Crowen, who was one of the previous owners, and how he finds himself trapped in one of the what is it called a crow's nest or the um, the it's widow's the, uh, the monk the monk hole the monk I hole believe. that's yes so and uh, unfortunate or unlucky investigators can actually find his corpse still in the monk the monk hole if they are. Uh, if they're so snoopy, but there's um, there's a whole section about the the spawn itself, and we haven't actually talked about uh, what this thing is exactly. So to give a bit of backstory, it started with the um, with the current owner Arthur Cornthwaite going on an expedition to South America, and during his expedition. They encounter a spawn of um, the Goat of the Black Woods, and it pretty much wipes out his entire party, and he's infected with these spores, and he unwittingly brings these spores back to his house. And the, the spores are in his pants. Yeah, they're in his pants, and they're all over his clothes, and he takes his clothes off and leaves them in the attic, and the spawn... In a, in a, in a trunk, yeah. Yeah, and the spawn eventually grows and begins to live in the house. And he does eventually kind of catch on to what this thing is doing, and he tries to he tries to find a way to stop it. And he finds uh, he finds out that salt is its weakness or it's adverse to salt. So he tries to find a way to get a bunch of salt to the house, but he uh, he's unfortunately he's ambushed and he's killed before that happens. And the module gives you a whole page and plenty of information on how to best role play and um, incorporate the spawn when the investigators are going through the house. Which I, yeah, I the, uh, the spawn uh, starts off living in the cellar, although it is uh, certainly not restricted solely to the cellar. The, the module makes it clear that it can basically transport or move itself uh, through the walls to pretty much any location in the house and almost any location outside of the house as well. So as soon as the investigators arrive at the property, they are uh, in potentially a great deal of danger from uh, from this uh, this creature. Yeah, it has a very alien vibe to it, right? Like the xenomorph is just hunting them on the ship and they like aren't totally aware of where it is but they're kind of aware of what's hunting them so to speak which i really kind of like about this uh module i agree with you i really really enjoyed that aspect of it i in fact i wrote in my notes that there was just something horrific about the uncaring nature of the creature and i know a lot of lovecraftian creatures are supposedly uncaring but they seem to have a motivation in in a lot of other scenarios where they, they have some kind of other plan or, or motive or something but this thing just wants to feed and there's no other motive no deep reason nothing else other than just its own survival and there's something real primal and horrifying about it that i really i really enjoyed so once the investigators eventually make their way into the house um there are a few encounters of the module suggests happen to them while they're doing their investigation um there's a couple of um, people that live within the town of Gamwell that are either going to take interest in their investigation into the Fitzgerald Mance, or they're going to be adverse to the investigators and want to know what's going on. The first encounter that the module outlines is with Sheriff Whitford, who 
doesn't like the investigators poking around in business that they probably shouldn't be poking around in. So he he's going to kind of snoop and tail the investigators until an uh, opportunity that the keeper finds most dramatic and um, try to f- like catch them in a criminal act, essentially. He's an interesting character because he not only dislikes the investigators, but he also can be a really big player in terms of implanting one of the big red herrings for the investigators to kind of derail them on their investigation. And that red herring is the whole story of Arthur Kerwin because he, he wants to catch him. He thinks he's still around and uh, still causing trouble. And he, he wants to arrest him and catch him and actually shoot him dead. And that's, and that's one of the things, one of the uh, story bits that could lead the investigators in the wrong direction when trying to figure out what's going on with the mansion. But it does lead to some potentially cool moments if they do find him in the monk hole. But uh, the the other encounter with with a living person that it it outlines is with the with the news reporter, Joe Varelli. He basically just wants to get the scoop like any nosy reporter would. So he he follows the investigators to the house. And, and I, I find this to be <laughs> potentially one of the better uh, better NPCs for this uh, for this module because you can use him as a potential victim. Yeah, not just of the creature, but he could be a victim of the investigators. And I love that. <laughs> I love that aspect, especially if you use a detective to play up the Arthur Cornway thing. Uh, Cornway, right? What was the guy's name? Cornway. Not Cornway. God, Kerwin. Arthur Kerwin. Sheriff's nemesis. Yeah, so if you play up the Arthur Kerwin, he killed his whole family. He's still on, nobody found him. They haven't found a body. They don't know where he went. He just disappeared. If you play that up, you can have the reporter kind of give the impression that he is Arthur. Because he comes in, he's on the outskirts of the, of the mansion, kind of investigating the grounds, and he finds an axe outside. And while the investigators are in the mansion, he breaks into the front door holding the axe and makes a really loud noise, which can lead the investigators to immediately go to that. I think it'd be awesome if it plays out that way when the investigators go, Oh no, it's that it's that Arthur guy. And then they just shoot him dead or beat him up or whatever. But regardless of what happens, he um, he's going to meet his, his doom at some point or another in the, in the scenario. Yeah. He's just a great dramatic piece. I feel. And I just, for me, I think I would run it like it starts to rain as soon as the investigators arrive at the house and it's, you know, it's obscenely dark and he's just holding the axe and he knocks on the door and they open the door and it's just like his silhouette with the axe. <laughs> Lightning bolt <in> behind <laughs> him. <laughs> and then and an investigator just 15 feet. Just yeah, that'd be there's, awesome. There's one other uh, slight encounter that it outlines as well, which is the ghost um, from the Fitzgerald family. Uh, Johnny Fitzgerald, who's the young the young man from the original family that owned the house that killed everybody, who still marches on in a sort of uh, cathartic procession, I guess. Uh, what do you think of the ghost man from Lang? I didn't really care for the ghost. Me too. <laughs> it was yeah, kind same. of extraneous at this at this point. There's like it's. I don't think it's introduced or set up particularly well. And I feel like if you were to throw that at the investigators, like I think I believe the setup is that they are like looking at a window, 
and they see this ghost in the garden down below, I feel like that could just derail everything mm-hmm. really fast. And I think it's just too many, too many things to chase and not enough setup for it. Yeah, totally agree with you there. I'm with you too. I think the ghost feels out of place, both like you said, thematically and also as a red herring, it just derails it in too way too far of a direction to, and it's not interesting enough to be worth it, to be worth throwing it in like that. Well, I believe there's a section in the module that, that encourages the, the keeper to, it encourages the keeper to sort of portray the house in, in a bunch of different ways to the investigators. Like there's, there's one point where it says like, well, you have a ghost, so it could be haunted. Or there are some items in the attic. It could be, the house could be cursed. So play up that aspect. And, it, and it, I, I'm not too sure whether it's the, the module's way of trying to keep the, the investigators on their feet or keep them guessing. Or, but it almost felt to me like I was being advised like to, to be dishonest with the players about what is actually going on in the house in order to throw them off, off the scent or uh, keep them unbalanced. Maybe if the, if, if the, say the ghost um, being one example, or these objects that may be cursed in some way, if this is set up earlier and established by the, by the NPCs in town, then I have no issue with it. I think, you know, then the PCs have, you've, you've laid the groundwork for it, but I think sort of introducing it by the time they're in the house, like, the game is on according to at least the way the module seems to be suggesting like once they get to the house it's showtime and so to be suddenly introducing these these other elements to the the scenario that haven't really been developed all that well is kind of i don't think it's going to be that successful at that point i think some of the red herrings work i think the arthur one definitely works especially when you when you if you combine it with the reporter guy uh, Vitelli, what's his name? Vitelli Varelli. Um, <laughs> Joe, <laughs> Joe Varelli. Varelli. God, I'm so bad with names. Uh, so that red herring, I think, works well, but the ghost one doesn't. The one about the house being haunted and the red herring there is if the investigators go to the library, they start learning about this these events that have happened every 30 years, and that can lead them in that direction of the house being haunted. I think that one can work well if done properly, but if it's if they don't go to the library beforehand, then it's not going to work. And it could, again, derail things. So that one is kind of a very fragile red herring. Uh, I think the strongest one is the Arthur one. But There is uh, also an encounter with a raccoon. <laughs> the raccoon, I love the raccoon. That, that the, a lot of the encounters in the house, I felt, were kind of written like with jump scares in mind. Where it's just like, okay, the the sheriff shows up at the house in such a way to uh, provide a jump scare for the investigators. Joe Varelli shows up at the house in a way to jump scare the investigators with the axe that he found uh, out in the yard. The the raccoon provides a jump scare because I believe it is described. It's not described as a raccoon, at least initially. Um, it's described as some horrific creature with hands and, and whatnot. And I was like, yeah, okay, that's, that's interesting and all, but I would suspect that, you know, past the, like, be besides like the immediate reaction, I think most investigators would know what a raccoon looks like. 
So you would have a pretty tough time uh, fooling them into thinking it's some, oh, you've discovered some sort of mythos creature hiding under the bed. It's just like, no, it's just a raccoon. It is worth noting, though, that you do get one sanity point for saving the raccoon. So It's mm-hmm. my favorite part of the whole scenario. <laughs> <laughs> I do think that if you if you throw that in and you... You know, you like keep the raccoon around for a little bit just to like, you know, build some continuity with it. And then you all of a sudden you just hear this crunch noise like from the distance in the background. That's going to set the players unease. And then all of a sudden you just see like a raccoon skull like an hour and a half later in some other room. Yeah, it could work. Raccoons are, are evil creatures anyway, so you should be scared of them anyways. They are horrific creatures in real life. <laughs> they're cunning and they're evil and they'll surround you and trick you. The trash monsters. But yeah. you could say this name about twins. Face. You could, but you won't. <laughs> <laughs> I've had three run-ins with raccoons in my life and all three were scary as hell. FYI. Yeah, I, I have two, actually. They're they're pretty terrifying creatures. So maybe that does justify the sanity loss. Could, could be. <laughs> could be. You, you never know. But but ultimately, the investigators are going to have to find a way to es- either escape the house or defeat the monster inside the house. And there are a couple clues scattered throughout uh, the, the first and second floor of the house. The investigators can find that ultimately lead them to the conclusion that the the thing living inside the house is somehow adverse to salt like it it withers like a slug almost to salt and there's a few ways that they can find this out outside the house as well if they choose to discover either in the town hall or in in the ledgers at uh the dodges brothers brothers they can find out that he was that Cornthway was trying to get a uh, shipment of salt to the house, but unfortunately it was still being um, put together before he went missing. So the the investigators have a couple of options on how they can uh, go about, uh, I guess, you know, kind of cleansing the house of this fungal monster. But I I feel like this thing is pretty overpowering to the investigators once they're inside the house. Yeah, there's no way. Since the module does so much work to make sure that the players get inside the house, that I have a hard time finding finding that the investigators are going to have the time and the the resources to be able to get the salt they need to kill this thing. Yeah, because there's not much salt in the house it's i found it kind of funny kind of a side note but related to what you're talking about with the salt that they there's a secret room in the house and in it they find like scribbling on a wall and it's i guess corinth white weight was writing on the wall and he writes the uh chemical name for salt so mm-hmm. sodium chloride yeah sodium chloride writes it on the bathroom mirror yeah which cracks me up because it literally why would he do that if he's desperate why would he go through the trouble of writing the scientific name for it where it's the same amount of letters as S-A-L-T? Like he could have just written <laughs> salt. Instead, he writes N-A-C-L or whatever. I mean, I like that he writes it in the bathroom, too, so that it's bath yeah. salts. <laughs> That's true. I didn't even think of that. But yeah, just a little bit of silliness there with that. Like that was, I, I don't understand why they did that. But I guess just to try to make people think a little harder as to what that means, but... 
Why would he have done that? Why wouldn't he just write salt? But but I feel like the conclusion will probably end up in this, you know, giant climax where the investigators are fighting for their life, trying to escape the house, whether it's jumping out the second story windows or, you know, just making it out the door in the, you know, the very last second they're, you know, running away from this fungal monster and the house just kind of blows up in a, you know, yeah, um, I think in the end, the house ultimately just ends up blowing up, much to the Dodge brothers' chagrin. There's really- no way to save the house, really. Like, even if you're able to defeat the thing, the house is in such disrepair, and you're pouring a ton of salt on it. So it just there's no way to salvage the house. There's no way you're going to succeed in that portion of the mission. And then that's really about it. I mean, how, like, what happens after the house... Uh, the encounter at the house is really kind of up to the, how the investigators, um, you know, play it out. But like, that's really all the module gives you as far as a story. Um, it does give you some some decent sanity rewards to give your players if they do manage to actually defeat the monster. One d twenty sanity points is not nothing. So you know, and there there's some other decent sanity losses as well for you know killing off Ferelli and. Uh, fleeing the house without dealing with the spawn also costs sanity to the investigators. But but that's really about it. It's a pretty short module. It has some stands for NPCs and some maps in the back, and that's that's about it. So yeah, it's it's meant to be run like one or two sessions. It's very very short. It is. So what do you guys? Yeah, and, and depending on on the PC's actions, it could be like if they go straight to the house, it's going to last a session and Half depending a session. on how the how evil the keeper wants to be it could last half a session <laughs> so what do you guys like about this scenario man from Ling, you go first because your list is shorter <laughs> i i like the the premise of the scenario at the beginning when they lay out the i think they do a fantastic job of laying out sort of the past uh things that have happened in the house at the at the 30 year intervals i think those are really uh, interesting and uh, uh really when i when i began to read the scenario I, I was quite excited to see how how these how they would be incorporated uh into the the module as a whole turns out not so well in a lot of cases uh but uh i think the monster is also quite interesting uh i wish there was sort of a little more guidance on how to play it uh only because it seems like pretty much any encounter it has with the with the investigators is going to be very bad for the investigators and so it's it's sort of difficult i think it's a little difficult to run in that it might be difficult to run for for a new keeper who's who you're really trying to develop this sense of horror. And I think you could really do a great job with that once the the investigators get to the house. You could really I think the module gives you a lot of tools to to make the experience in the house really, really menacing and and um, atmospheric. But I think some of the 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 monster itself is sort of like, this thing will kill pretty much anything it encounters. So you have to be you. The module does say, like, really keep it sort of behind the scenes, like it's going through the walls, it's in the floors. 
you know, you want to try to keep it under wraps as long as you can before you, you spring this on people. Because I think once you start to, uh, you're going to start losing investigators pretty rapidly. What about uh, you, Nate? What did you like about it? I like the the overall um, meat of the scenario, which is the house itself. Um, I find the, the town of Gamwell to be a little uninteresting. Uh, it does have some some neat things that the investigators can discover, but it feels pretty much just like every other small town. And to its credit, it is trying to be just that, just like every other small town. But Gamwell doesn't feel particularly interesting. So I think it's... this is the what we'd like section. Nate. <laughs> <laughs> right, 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 right. I'm getting to that. Trust me. But but once they're there and once they're in the house like that, that part is really cool to me. Um, you know, like I was saying earlier, it has this very alien vibe where they're walking through the house and they're trying to figure out who and where this uh, Cornthright fellow is and what exactly happened to him and why the house is in such disrepair. Uh, that part is really cool to me. And I also really like um I like the NPCs, despite me not liking the town itself. I really like the the NPCs and how fleshed out they are and the encounters that you have with the NPCs in the house. Okay, so um, what I liked, uh, I liked a few things about this one. Starting with the top, like they in the beginning of the scenario, they mentioned what skills would be useful for investigators to have in the scenario. That's always really helpful so that people don't feel like they made an investigator that's completely useless. So it's nice when they add that, and I think props should be given for that. Um, then the Dramatis Personae, hopefully I said that right, that's done really well. In the beginning of the scenario, they kind of just give you tidbits of each NPC, each important NPC, and it's short and sweet, it's concise, but it's super useful information. So if you're running the scenario and you just need a quick reference of like their personality or the important information that they can provide for the investigators, it's all right there and easy to read and very quick to read. So you don't have to be flipping through pages, reading through paragraphs and paragraphs of description for them. That is really, really well done. I like the self-imposed time constraint that's given in the scenario. So when the Dodge brothers kind of hire the investigators, they say the sooner, if you do this within a week, if you get us the information within a week as to what happened to Cornthwaite, uh, then you'll get an additional $100. So there's an incentive there for the investigators to do this as quickly as possible instead of dilly-dallying. The red herrings I enjoyed, but we talked about that earlier. Other than the ghosts, I really enjoyed the red herrings, especially the Arthur Kerwin one. That one is really interesting, especially if, it, if there's a connection with Varelli. I love, like Man From Lang said, the aspect of this scenario to, or the, the potential of this scenario to really build up the horror is so well done. There's little tidbits that they throw at the keeper that he can, the, each keeper can provide their investigators or kind of drip information to them to really make it a horrifying scenario, more so than a lot of other Call of Cthulhu scenarios that sometimes to me can feel a little cartoony. This one can feel like really brutal. Little things that just kind of stick with you inside. Like, for example, the cop, you're, invest you're interrogating the cop or, or talking to him, and he mentions that. Cornthwaite fired all his employees like little by little. But the reality is he didn't fire anybody. They just started getting eaten by this thing. But you don't know that. And when later you find out, like that's something that you'll you'll be like, 
oh, he never fired them. Like this, this is crazy. But you know, it's just said in so such a casual way. They throw that information at you in a way that oh, the employees are missing, but you don't really realize that they're actually missing. So those kind of things, and there's a lot of that in the scenario that I really like. And then um, I also liked the NPCs that visit the house once the investigators are there, how they disappear. So one minute you're talking to them, they're sitting downstairs. You go to the other room for a second, you come back and they're gone because now they've been eaten. Those kind of things really add to the horror of the scenario. And I really appreciated it. Um, the raccoon rescuing the raccoon, big plus big ups for giving sanity points as a reward for rescuing the raccoon. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, I like that they de- even detailed like the salt, uh, how it affects the creature, even a little bit of salt, but they actually go on to explain in the creature description why it can devour bodies and not be affected by the salt in the bodies. So that's a nice touch that they actually explain that because I had that question until I read that, that description of the creature and then the creature itself, how it kills, how it attacks is described in a way that is so brutal and horrific how it goes into the people's mouths and just seeps in and then starts to expand and just explodes them from the inside and then just devours the bits of flesh that are left. It's just horrifying. It's so awesome. Saying, it's <laughs> so alien, right? Yeah, it's amazing. I love it. It's a, <laughs> so it's I thought this hugger. scenario had a really, really cool, horrific vibe that's very unlike a lot of call of cthulhu scenarios that i've read through oh i was just going to say one thing to kind of springboard off of uh what vase was saying earlier is that i do think that this scenario is really well put together in that it's really easy to understand what's going on in like even just a single read through and be able to run this very quickly and that is something that i think is also worth noting because especially in investigative games these can be very difficult to fully understand what's going on and be able to run these in any sort of quick fashion. So if you're looking to just get a quick game of Call of Cthulhu in, this is a great one shot as as it is easy to just kind of pick up and play. So Yeah, one thing I'd like to add about uh, one of the things I do like about the scenario is that uh, the vast majority of the skill tests are are just standard skill tests. There are very, very few hard or extreme skill tests so unlike i think the previous scenario a lot of the the information that might be useful to the the investigators isn't locked behind skill tests if they have really no realistic way of passing uh, even uh, i believe the first encounter with the dodge brothers uh, if you decide to go through the books like there's there are some accounting rules in there, but they're they're just standard. It's not like you have to be the master accountant to even have a hope of discovering the information that's there. And I and I appreciate that from a, both as a keeper and as a player, because uh, certainly as a keeper, if you lock everything behind those extreme hard and extreme extreme skill tests it i think in the end just makes your life harder because then if the p if the investigators are missing important information you have to find a way to get it to them you've either just got to say forget this test i'm not gonna it's not going to be a hard test or you've got to find another way to to feed them that information and as a player you know if you're playing this as a one shot and you haven't really had a chance to build up build up your skills you know most 
Call of Cthulhu uh, investigators don't really have great skills to begin with. So having that information that's readily accessible is is helpful. Totally agree. Okay, so now to the what we don't like or what we would change. As uh, as we're so, as we're going with now, yeah. um, why don't why don't we start with you, man from Lang? Well, I really don't like the beginning. Um, I feel like it it falls into the Call of Cthulhu trap. Like I said, I was really excited when I read the beginning of the uh, scenario and uh, talking about the the cycle of events that have happened at this, and I was expecting this the scenario to build on this and i'm not too sure whether this is a result of it being a uh, a tournament scenario or not but in my experience uh, at least with dungeons and dragons a lot of tournament scenarios don't play very well outside of a tournament setting and i felt kind of disappointed when the module doesn't entirely abandon the whole cyclical nature of the tragedies that occur in the house but i wish the house itself had been the villain in this case and not a monster from south america like a a mythos type of monster like perhaps the monster uh, infiltrated the house this time and made it made the house villainous but um i was a little disappointed in that i really don't like a lawyer, the the letter from a lawyer. I know you need to get the, the the investigators involved somehow, but I find that there are just so many Call of Cthulhu scenarios that are, you get a lawyer, you get a letter from a lawyer that says you were the long lost relative of so and so, and there is a house for you to go. And you know, it, it just feels very been there, done that a lot of the time. And I'm not too sure why Call of Cthulhu scenarios keep doing this. Maybe it's a holdover from from the 80s and 90s but offering pcs money to do things never seems like a very good reason to do to do things especially in call of cthulhu 7th edition where money is is very abstract as it is is already very abstracted um, through the credit rating skill so to me offering investigators money to do stuff is not a particularly if i was an investigator i'd be like well like unless you're you're running a type of game where money is very important to keep the investigation agency open or something like that, then there's got to be a better reason for me to want to go in there. And I don't like the sheriff. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The sheriff character, while I understand why he, they, they write him the way they do. He sort of reminds me of the whole, uh, at least in D and D it's like, why are all shopkeepers jerks? And this is like, here's a cop. He's being a jerk because you're foreign people in his territory sort of thing. And I think if I was to run it, I would run him the exact opposite way. I would make him super nice and very outwardly, you know, just going out of his way helpful. I would make Joe Varelli, the reporter, the one who's the one they really want to keep an eye on. Interesting. Because I'm a report I'm a reporter and I know what they what reporters do. And he would definitely be the one who's trying to get the story and would be willing to break into the house with an axe and all sorts of stuff like that. To me, the the whole, you know, badass sheriff annoyed with the i think at one point like he accuses them of stealing a horse or like he he accuses them of of kidnapping or killing or stealing the horse that has gone missing which seems really odd to me considering like most call of cthulhu and investigators would show up like i'm the antiquarian or i'm the archaeologist and it's just like the way they would look and dress it's just like 
he's going to accuse these old men of stealing a horse. <laughs> like, like that just seems like, no, he, he probably wouldn't, you know, like if, if he does, that's really sort of coming out of left field. Like, unless you're, unless the investigators are nothing but mobsters and, and street urchins and stuff like that, then it seems a little misplaced. The, the cop situation. I agree. I don't understand why a lot of these, uh, investigative games do that with the with the police officers just being jerks like doesn't make sense if you were from another like federal uh department or something then i can understand because there there's always kind of like a competitiveness or animosity between depart local departments and federal departments so i can i would understand that but since you're investigators that are private investigators then there's no reason for him to be doing that if you're not interfering with anything that he's doing so I totally agree with you on that. Uh, and then Varley, you being a reporter, so you definitely would know <laughs> the actions that reporters take. I agree with you. That he, well, especially and especially back in the 1920s when there was a lot, the the ethics were a lot less, a lot more gray than they are now. You know, you won't you won't find many reporters these days who would be willing to break into places to get stories. But back then, I think it's definitely. Uh, I would play him up as being a real thorn in the in the investigator's side. Like he's going to blow this story wide open, and he'll do whatever it takes to to get the information. And uh, I think you could have a lot of fun with him. Yeah, totally you know, even agree. beforehand, like tailing the the investigators or just showing up at inopportune times to to annoy them. I think though, you your first um, gripe regarding the money. I don't know. I feel like I understand mechanically it makes no there's no incentive. But role play wise, like, why not your investigators who are private investigators for hire? Like, how else are they? I mean, there are other ways to I agree with you on that part. There are other ways to get them involved in the investigation without it always being a lawyer that hires them. But I don't see a problem inherently with them being hired for money to do the job. I don't know. I, think, I, 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 I don't either. I think if money is part of your campaign and is important, then by all means. But if money is not, then you need to find some other reason to in to persuade the the investigators to to climb on board. And I mean, I think there is there is stuff within the story. I mean, you may have somebody in the in the party who's interested in South America. I'm sure they would be quite interested to find out what happened to this this explorer who had to who had visited these parts. Uh, there's um, the missing books from the library that might be of interest to uh, investigators. I think there's a lot there. You just, I just find the whole, you get a letter from a lawyer uh, intro kind of tired at this point. And I know Nate and I had discussed, like, I think this scenario would really benefit from really just throwing the, the PCs right into the, into the mix. And, maybe creating um, dummy PCs who somehow end up at this house and you run through a little scenario in the house beforehand and they all end up dying. And then you bring in the new PCs to investigate why all these other ones to either investigate why those, those previous ones died or you bring them in. So you get sort of a sense of, of what is going um, just throw them right in at the deep end rather than do this sort of slow, slow burn. Because I think depending on the route that the, the investigators take through this, a lot of the sort of the clues that are left could be missed. And I don't think the the timing in the scenario gives you a lot of time to sort of feed them that information. 
like theoretically they arrive in in gamwell go to the lawyer's office get the keys presumably to the gate as well i I find it kind of strange they would have keys to the door but not the front gate and then they're in the house and then all of a sudden it's like okay it's game on and the pcs have i either no idea of the history of the house or really uh, much more than what the lawyers told them. And there's not a lot of time for you to feed them that information. So it's things could go get pretty desperate for them pretty quickly, depending on, on their actions. Yeah. That that's something I would also change to. I felt that the, the way the investigators get involved feels a bit contrived, like you were saying, Man From Lang. And I think one easy way to change that is to just make the Cornthwaite character the the character that the investigators get involved with. Like I think instead of having the letter be from his lawyers, you have it like addressed to the players directly from him, but it's like months like months before the actual investigation at his house happens. And the letter gets lost in the mail and he's like requesting that he, you know, that the PCs see them at the house. And then that's when they get bombarded with the thing, essentially, like you were saying. And they're kind of just thrown into the thick of it versus this sort of preamble in this town where they can kind of find some information, but probably won't. I feel in most cases, I think some more intrepid investigators will do their, you know, due diligence and go to the library and speak to some people in town. But I think most players are probably just going to go to the lawyer's office, go straight to the house, and that's going to be that. The other criticism I had was I feel that the module doesn't really do a good enough job of preventing the players from leaving the house outside of the monster killing them or chasing them out. There's there's a few points in the module where it says that the investigators, you know, that they should feel inclined to either stay the night in the house or they should stay an extended period of time. And if, if they don't, then potentially have them like get kicked out of the boarding house or have have them tent outside outside in the garden or something along those lines. And I find that that's kind of silly, in my opinion. Like, if investigators were going to investigate the house, they're either going to go into the house, snoop around the rooms, and find what they were looking for, and then leave and call the police, or they're going to just walk in and walk out. And I feel like it's going to be kind of difficult to try to make it a slow burn where you're like trying to get them to like come in and out and in and out and uh, like find the find the way to kill the monster. I don't think that's really going to work with how it's written. So I think if you wanted to do it that way, I think you need to like make it pretty clear that the investigators need to find a way to get salt to the house. Yeah, I thought it was kind of interesting in the, or at least a little strange in that the scenario goes to great lengths to basically say you need the investigators in the house. And, you know, if they're staying at the boarding house, then you need to arrange for them to get kicked out and all and all this. And to me, it's just like, well, why did you introduce a boarding house into the, into the scenario in the first place if you don't want them to stay there? Like, just remove the boarding house and say the only place to stay is the house and and go from there. And, you know, I think it really depends on your group. Like, if you've got experienced investigators who are going to be careful and take their time, then sure, they're going to be, 
you know, they're going to be a little more reluctant to go in and, and stay in the house. Now they do give you the tools, I think, as a keeper to keep them in the house, you know, suggesting, you know, the, the monsters in the walls, it can expand and, and um, swell to like block doors to keep doors either closed or open, uh, depending on whether you need them. So I think if you're a keeper and once they go into the house, you can keep them there barring them breaking a window and jumping out um you can basically use the monster's abilities to just seal all the doors and they're not getting out the problem is of course is that the solution to killing the monster is not in the house (laughs) so you know even if they do discover the clues and figure out okay well we need the salt to defeat this thing then what Mm -hmm. because once they're in if you want to keep them in they're not getting out and there's not, I mean, there's a basically like a a salt shakers worth of salt in the house. So, which does, I believe one D six points of damage to the monster, which Mm -hmm. has near a hundred hit points. So yeah, it's, it's a fine line to walk, right? Because it's just like, do you let the investigators into the house once and let them poke around and maybe, build the tension of the scenario and let them sort of get this sense like, yeah, this house is weird. There's something weird going on here, but then, you know, maybe discover some clues and let them leave the first time and then get them on the second trip in. Or do you just have to say, well, my, they're not coming back for a second helping. So I'm going to have to trap them in here. Uh, the first the first time around. Yeah, I, I found that a little difficult to sort of how would I handle that as a keeper? Yeah, the module doesn't really give good suggestions on how to do that, I feel. It mm-hmm. feels a bit lacking in that regard. There's also just the very notion that, you know, once they finally see the monster, it's, it's more than likely going to cause them to go temporarily, if not indefinitely insane and have a bout of madness, which will likely cause them to do something that they certainly did not intend to. So my my only one, or my biggest one, I guess, I guess there's two of them. One, you mentioned it, I hadn't thought about it, but you mentioned it earlier, Nate, is how boring the town is. I, I kind of agree with you on that. It's, I wish it would have been fleshed out a little bit more. The other negative is what we were just talking about, um, the house situation. Um, but from a different angle, like I agree with you guys uh, regarding everything you said about the house and the the way the scenario doesn't properly set up what it wants to set up, which is for the investigators to find out the weakness of the creature and then be able to get to it. I like your idea of having a first set of investigators and then they perish and then have another set of investigators because then there's, there may be a reason then and that that may be the reason for someone to come back, which is the second set of investigators coming back in. Because first of all, once they're in the house, it's pretty much like Man from Lang said, that's doomsday right there. Things are going to start to go crazy at that moment. There is no going to the house, leave the house, and then come back to the house. So I guess my my biggest gripe, if I can phrase this properly, so when the investigators first start the investigation, they're told they're they're looking for this guy. The first thing I would do is go into the house to find any clues as to his whereabouts because that's where he lived. So once you're in there, then what? You know, you're not going to go to the town library to investigate that first, not before first going to the house to try and find out, you know, if you can get eyes on the things that might 
lead to you finding him uh you're not going to go talk to the police you're not going you're not going to go talk to anybody you're going to go straight to the house and once you're in the house that's it the senate so there's no real reason to even go to anywhere else in town once you do go into the house let's say as a keeper you decide i'm not going to throw everything in the kitchen sink at them let them investigate feed them the little bit of creepiness and the creaks and all that stuff and then so then then they can leave and go to town and do their investigation in town sure that could work but then what incentive do they have to go back into the house because presumably the first time they go into the house they're going to do a very thorough search and investigation they don't find anything they leave they go to town to find more clues who's going to think oh maybe we should go back into the house and look again unless they have a particularly good reason to so yeah, so, this is I. This is where I think uh, Vase. Uh, I was just thinking as you were talking about this. This is a really good uh, way to use the sheriff and Joe Varelli, because if you've made the sheriff a good guy, say the you let the investigators go to the house the first time. Okay, it's creepy. They they might um, explore some of the rooms. There's you know it's a very creepy place. They decide to leave to get more information about the house or follow up say they find the clue about the salt they decide to follow up that they get a call from the sheriff saying someone is at the house it's night someone's at the house there's a flashlight going off you can see light inside it's just like i thought it might be you guys but it's not who's at the house then they go back into the house and that's when you get them that's a great idea Damn, why so didn't they write that have, in the scenario? <laughs> you know, you've you've already developed the sheriff as the ally who's like, hey, I'm on your side, guys. You know, maybe it's this Arthur Kerr, the Arthur Kerwin guy whom I hate. I think you can still have the sheriff hate Arthur Kerwin just being like, you guys are going to help me bag this guy. I think he's in the house right now because I can see there's lights going off inside sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And And then you can lure them back. You give them a reason to go back to the house or maybe... You have um, perhaps if the investigators are a little reluctant to go back to the house, you have the reporter make some big discovery inside the house. Like he finds uh, the monk hole or something like that. He's like, hey, I found this thing in the house, like this body. You should come and check it out. And then when they go back into the house thinking, "Okay, we found the thing that was causing the mystery in the house, this dead body in the in the hidden room, then you could spring the the trap on them. So I think there are ways if you're if you if you sort of think about it and plan ahead, I think it'd be hard to do spur of the moment sort of be like I could see a keeper getting really sort of frustrated by like the investigators left the house and I don't know how to get them back in and now what do we do? Do <laughs> we sit here mm-hmm. for the next 2 hours and sort of, you know, unless they go back willingly? sort of thing because i don't know if they're enough like if you're playing the monster really sort of really slow rolling the monster they're not really gonna know like okay what is in they're not gonna know what's in the house and they're not gonna be able to make that association between the salt and the monster you sort of have to have them draw that connection and if they don't do it you're kind of left with nothing so i think the the npcs are i'm glad they fleshed out the npcs enough that you could bring them in and and use them to sort of push the push the investigators in directions that you you may want them to explore yeah i also i think it's important you know like we were kind of saying earlier that you you give the players some motivation other than just money or just 
we're playing a game so kind of buy into it and i think by making the the cornthwaite character someone that the investigators are intimately familiar with goes a long way in doing that i think the the whole backstory with him and the south america expedition is it's fine and it serves its purpose but i think that that's one of the easiest things to substitute out of the scenario and still have it be the same thing essentially i think so i think it could work with anything i mean he could he could have just found some goo Mm -hmm. i mean literally (laughs) it would work the exact same way like his expedition really yeah i mean i don't i don't really think you need any real setup i think you could just have it be like the investigators kind of show up in town one night and there's no rooms left in the boarding house so they stay at this old abandoned house that they find or something along those lines too. And they get, you know, the trap sprung on them that way. If you just want to do it like a, you know, sort of a haunted house kind of style. Or just have a, an engineering firm contact them and say, there's water damage in this house. We don't know where it's coming from. Can mm-hmm. you please figure this out for us? Cause we have no idea. That's different. You know, there's um, no water. According to our studies, there should be no way there's water damage to this house, but it's happening. It hmm. seems unusual. Is poltergeists involved? Find out for us, please. Oh, there you go. That's cool. I've been so lost in uh, thinking about darker trails recently as I've been kind of gearing up to play a campaign of that. I'm just thinking of ways I can turn this into like a 19 or an 1870s investigation and have the intrepid heroes roll up into town, you know, with a horse and horse and buggy and kind of just show up to this mansion looking for a guest that they had received letter of from months ago and he's no longer there and then they're like well i guess we'll stay the night here because there's nowhere within 15 miles to stay so they stay on his farm and boom let's make it the haunted outhouse (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think i find it interesting that the the I, I believe there's even a sidebar in the scenario that that emphasizes that you you need to try to keep the 60 year and like the 30 year interval of bad things happening at this house and i feel like that's like one of the least important issues that you need to be as a keeper anyway that you need to be concerned about because a lot of those the clues to what is actually that those intervals i'm not too sure the investigators would find many of them or even draw a connection they'd be like hey this happened 30 years ago and this happened 30 years before that sort of thing it doesn't feel developed enough that yeah would reach that conclusion i totally agree i would honestly i think this i think the scenario is almost better when you interject your own narrative into it and then you can really kind of tailor it to what your pcs are doing or or just run it as is and just have it be a one shot and i think that just sticking them in the house right away and kind of skipping all of the pretense with the town is probably preferred for at least for newer groups maybe maybe more experienced groups would want to kind of go through the rigmarole of going through the town and talking to the locals and trying to do their due diligence with their library use. But I think the the meat of the scenario was in the house, and I think that's where the scenario is both at its best and where keepers need to be the most diligent. Yeah, and I think it really depends what you're going to use it for. Like if you're, if you're p- putting this in as part of a long 
a long running campaign. I think you might be rolling up new investigators by the end of it. So I think it really does lend itself more to a one shot where nobody is married to their investigator because chances are they're not going to get out. Yeah, probably not. (laughs) It's pretty brutal, pretty deadly. So overall, guys, what do you think about the Cracked and Crooked Bands? I really like the idea. I don't I don't think I've ever run scenarios written as is, and I probably wouldn't run this one written as is. I feel like I found the 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 way the scenario written was helpful. Um, I like how they fleshed out the a couple of the NPCs that that the investigators will encounter. There's there's a manageable number of them. There aren't you don't have to know hundreds of townspeople or anything like that. Like there's basically three or four tops and you could probably even cut that down to two or three uh, quite easily. I feel like the house itself, they give you enough tools to, to make it a very, a suitably creepy experience. The, the one concern I do have though, is, is sort of you, I think if you're going to run this, you need to figure out ahead of time how you're going to handle the PCs coming and going uh, because if you let them come and go willy-nilly, I don't think that that necessarily works, but I don't think letting them go into the house once is enough either. You need to give them a little bit of flexibility to to go in, maybe find some information that might uh, might persuade the investigators, okay, we're, we need to do a little bit more uh, investigation into uh, Cornthwaite's past, which might lead them to the library and then, you know, back to the house eventually. But uh, it is a, it is a deadly one. That's for sure. If the, uh, I believe bullets do one damage to this thing. So uh, if you expect to go out guns blazing, uh, I think you'll be sadly disappointed. (laughs) Yeah. Even in Pulp Cthulhu, this thing is no joke. So yeah. Salt is the only way that the investigators realistically have of bringing this thing down. Um, I totally agree with your overall thoughts, man, from Lang. I think that this scenario has a lot going for it. I really like the monster, you know, despite despite it kind of being kind of the show stealer from the house where, you know, the house could have been this this sort of menacing, uh, haunted, haunted place of the investigators visit and. kind of get trapped in by sort of like a poltergeist or something the the monster makes it feel much more like they're they're being hunted and i think that that's in and of itself a a really unique and fun experience to have at a play group but like you were saying you're gonna have to figure out how you want the the monster to hunt while it's in the house because like you were saying you don't want your players to just go in willy nilly and then kind of just randomly spring it on them. You want it to make it build up into this climactic moment. Yeah, I guess it, it really comes down to like, do you want them to have a chance? <laughs> like mm-hmm. if if you don't want them to have a chance, then that is an option that is definitely on the table. If you want them to have a chance of actually completing the scenario and escaping with their lives, then springing the monster on them at the first opportunity is not going to do it. How about you, Vase? I agree with, with all of your sentiments. Uh, some of the things you said, both of you said, 
uh, I hadn't thought about and like, you know, the whole thing with the townsfolk and then you talking about the police being friendly and how that could play into giving the investigators motivation to go into the house. All that I think is really well said and some excellent points regarding how to, how to run this and make it more effective to scare your players, but also give them a chance and make it a little bit more interesting. So the bare bones of the scenario, I think are solid. I think the descriptions, the horror elements are excellent. I mean, above average for a Call of Cthulhu scenario. And I think they're done very well. But there are aspects of it that you, you will have to do some work as a keeper in order to make the scenario more interesting and to make it work, uh, to make it a more fun experience for everyone, I think. Yeah, like you said at the top face, I'd be very curious to see what the original tournament scenario looked like because I think you know, I played tournament D and think once and you know they're they're under very tight time constraints in in those sorts of situations so i imagine a lot of like possibly the town the whole lawyer intro all of that was probably added later to sort of flesh it out a little bit more i wouldn't be surprised if you know the investigators were basically dumped at the front door of the house and in you go and you know may the best man survive sort of, <laughs> sort of thing and we'll just see you know if you make it out of the house you're a winner <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's going to do it for our review of the Cracked and Crooked Mance, a very exciting scenario in the Mansions of Madness collection for Call of Cthulhu 7th edition. I've been your host, Nate, lost in time and space, then joined with me today was... I am the man from Len. And I am Innkeeper Vase Odin from the Twisted Tentacle Inn. And we will see you all in our next review. that has been our review of the cracked and crooked manse as always we have had a um, go ahead. Uh, just fuck this whole <laughs> ending up here hold uh, on uh, hold on we'll redo this <laughs> you said as always we I know, have I, I still, <laughs> thought, it's, oh that's my cue it's 12 that's, that's where i thought he was going <laughs> getting tired over here jesus christ